Welcome to the Chrome Show, Gigabooks Weekly Podcast, where we talk about all things Chrome, Chrome books, Chrome browsers, Chrome boxes, Chrome extensions. And my name is Janko Redgers, writer for Gigabooks. And with me, as always, is our resident Chrome expert, Kevin Tofel. Hey, Kevin, how are you doing? I am good. I am mostly recovered from our uh, Consumer Electronics Show Week from last week, where you and I did a podcast like in the hallway around a corner from an event, and it was a little loud, and we apologize for that. But we are back in our normal studios. Which are really just our offices, but yes, we oh, are see, back now, for sure. I built it up like something amazing, and you just you just let uh, it go. I'm, I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but so coming out of CES, we had not too many things to share at CES, which was not entirely unexpected, and, and you talked about that last week. There's a certain cycle to these things driven by chips, and it seems like some of these ripple effects are now starting to materialize. That is correct. We're not talking about potato chips. We are talking about computer chips from Intel, the latest crop of which are based on something that Intel calls Broadwell. It is the fifth generation core architecture. And yeah, at CES, the Acer Chromebook 15 was announced and shown off, and we talked about it last week. That has the new fifth generation chip. And now, uh, just after we did that show... Our good friend, uh, Mr. Beaufort, who is the evangelist at Google, noticed that three additional Broadwell-based boards were added to the Chromium OS repository. Now, what does that mean? That means that at least three different uh, computer boards with Intel chips are being worked on to be compatible with Chrome OS. Could they be Chromebooks? Maybe. Could they be Chromeboxes? Maybe. Could they be something else entirely? Maybe. The good thing is there's something coming. There's three things potentially coming. And I would say, and I think we talked about this last week, based on the way the chip cycles are panning out and Intel's manufacturing process, I'm thinking February is when we'll really start to hear some new Chromebook announcements uh, about these particular devices and probably some new ones as well. Uh, why do you think it is going to be Chromebooks versus Chromeboxes? Hmm. Is it just Chromeboxes haven't taken off as much, maybe? Uh, you know, we haven't really seen any sales figures showing the split. I mean, we have occasionally That's true. seen, but my take is, and this is just observation, just from following along in the, the uh, Chromebook community group over at Google+, as, be, as well as being out and about and, and listening to reader comments and such, I think Chromebooks are more of the, the the piece of the pie here when it comes to sales of Chrome OS devices. I'm not saying there isn't a need for Chrome boxes, but we are pretty much evolving as a mobile type society. And if you have that, you know, portability of a Chromebook that you don't have on a Chromebox, well, you know, you may opt for that. So I'm going to say, I'm going to bet you at least two, if not all three of these become Chromebooks, but that's just a guess on my part. So essentially you're saying even Chrome can't bring a desktop back. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. When you think about it, a Chromebook actually works quite well as a desktop. I mean, originally we had some issues where you, you know, uh, maybe mirroring your display to a, a, a secondary screen was a problem. That got resolved. Uh, we had problems where when you close the lid of a Chromebook, you, you know, you lost your uh, main display. That's been resolved. So really, the, a Chromebook makes a pretty good desktop replacement. Uh, as of right now, especially if you have a larger monitor that you can hook it up to. So I'm not saying the desktop is dead. It's just more people, I think, are would opt for something portable. It just smells funny, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, moving on from devices 
to, uh, I guess that you gave me a good segue. Uh, it's improving, functionality is improving to use Chrome as a desktop computer or a desktop replacement. And one of those things that people have always been asking for, obviously, is video chat and, mm-hmm. and video communication. And now you can do that even with Facebook. That's correct. And I did not know this. And you, I know you follow the, um, the video codec scene from time to time. So I don't know if you were aware that Facebook was going to switch over to WebRTC, um, and that would allow you to do video chats without installing any type of plugin or anything like that. But apparently they, they have done this now, according to OMG Chrome uh, and also OMG Ubuntu, because the two are OMG partners there. Uh, they are using WebRTC-based video calling in Facebook now. So now on a Chromebook, you can just use Facebook video chat, again, without any plugins or anything like that. So that's very promising to me. I mean, the more we can do that's natively inherent and open and such, I think is a better thing for everybody. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't aware of the Facebook angle here either. Didn't they use for a while Skype, or am I completely mistaken there? Oh, you like they had, they had right. an external client at some point that you could use, but I don't remember it exactly anymore. But it, yeah. it makes a whole lot of sense for them to use WebRTC, and, and the technology is advancing and, and getting more mature. So, so that's good news. It is good news. And, you know, we've seen um, in the past where people have used Flash for web-based video and such, even when you use Flash, you still have to allow access to the, for the computer to you know provide the camera and the microphone. You still need to do that with this, but there's just no plug-in. It's just a, yeah. a it's just a um, a security thing that you want to go through, which is important. You certainly don't want open access to your microphone or your camera. You know, otherwise people will be watching you all day. You'd never know. They may be already. No, I'm just kidding. I hope not. I was just jamming, um, jamming the music before the show. I was watching you, Kevin. <laughs> I was watching you. <laughs> uh, and in any case, um, let's see what else we have on our plate. Oh, I guess we, we're jumping a little bit back and forth, and we can talk a bit more about actually Chrome boxes. We could. We could. I, I, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a Chrome box or a, a Chrome OS desktop device, but... Uh, the Chrome OS team has also started working on supporting a single board computer that is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 600 chip. Uh, that's a slightly older chip. Uh, I want to say it's probably about a year and a half to two years old. It's in a lot of uh, mid-range smartphones and tablets and such from about two years ago. I thought this was interesting because we haven't seen any Qualcomm-based ARM Chrome OS, Chrome OS devices yet. We've only seen the Samsung Exynos and the NVIDIAs, the, the Tegras. So this could be interesting. And you know what? For Chrome OS, this type of chip might just be perfectly fine for a little Chromebox. I thought it was interesting. I, I, I looked a little bit at the comments of that post. So it was, official, uh, it was posted by François Beaufort on Google Plus again. And people were commenting and kind of musing a little bit that it's a little bit of an underpowered chip. Uh, a little bit of an older chip, I guess the Galaxy S4 chip, and some people said, oh, maybe it's going to be something like the Raspberry Pi or something like that, but running Chrome. Um, I don't know if they would go that way, like the, the complete do-it-yourself route, but it may may lead to a point where this are closer to 100 and over $200, right? Mm-hmm. If the chip is a little bit dated and if you put like just the bare minimums in there, could make a pretty cheap desktop device. Yeah, imagine like a, a, a seventy-nine to ninety-nine dollar Chrome box, for example, running on one of these, which you could buy for an entire classroom for two thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Possibly. We'll have to see. I mean, this is interesting. All, yeah, this is all just them testing and working on it. We don't know if there's an actual product that's coming from it. So, 
I was going to say, you know, it, it could be that they're just experimenting with it and never decide to actually sell it. Wouldn't be the first time. Right. Um, in any case, uh, talking about actual products that may or may not be selling, uh, you took a closer look at the HP Stream, which is one of those very, very cheap Windows uh, laptops that try to take on the Chromebook. How did it do? Well, first of all, it's not cheap. It's low cost. You have to be very careful. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's very different, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I have it in my hands right now. I actually purchased this before we went to the Consumer Electronics Show. There was a uh, holiday week special right after Christmas. This is normally $229. I paid $199 for it. It is the HP Stream 13. And I did share some initial impressions, and I said, you know what? The HP Stream 13 is not a Chromebook killer. And I say that for a couple of reasons, but let me just explain what it is. It is, yes, a low-cost Windows 8 with Bing laptop. Uh, for all intents and purposes, this is this is this looks like a Chromebook. It has the same hardware as a Chromebook. It's got the same screen as you would see on a Chromebook 1366 by 768 resolution. Everything just says Chromebook to it until you fire it up. Then you get Windows. So this has been repurposed hardware. It's actually not bad for the price. Um, you know, I, I this is not going to surprise anybody, but as much as Windows has improved over the years, and I've used Windows for a long time, it's still not comparable to Chrome OS for, for a couple reasons. Chrome is just so simple. I mean, yes, it's limited in its feature set, but it's that's a, that's a plus for many people. Just to set this up, uh, it took about 10 minutes just to get the account set up and get some, you know, get the thing going. I can live with that. But then there were 46 updates to be installed. And yes, I didn't have to use those. I, I could have started working, I should say. Um, but, you know, a Chromebook is almost always up to date. Even when you get a new one, if it's not up to date, it will be up to date in about five minutes. It took an hour to install these. So for, to keep things comparable, to get all the virus definition files up to date, for example, uh, you know, it took an hour. That, that was first of all. Second of all, this, uh, this device actually comes with a really nice... Uh, add-on, a free one-year subscription to Office 365. I think that's fantastic. It's like a $70 savings. Well, to get that, you actually have to like jump through all kinds of hoops to change your ActiveX settings and your internet security browser settings. It, it took like 10 minutes of jumping through complex hoops. Not, not that it was difficult for me to do. I know what I'm doing, but a lot of people still don't. And mm. it shouldn't be that difficult. This was just to validate the PC in the browser to get the offer. When you go to a Chromebook and you get your, you know, your free terabyte of storage, you also get a free terabyte of OneDrive with this, by the way. Uh, you know, you click a link. It's it's not that difficult. And I just I, I just think if Microsoft is trying to compete with Chromebooks using these types of devices, it, there's still no comparison. There's a it's a total totally different way of computing. It's a totally different uh, look at the user experience and you know i almost think not to get off topic but i almost think microsoft should consider using windows phone slash windows rt on laptops for a secure closed fast booting low resource system to compete with chromebooks and they have an event later on this month, so maybe maybe we'll see them do that. But this just does not compete with a Chromebook in my mind, and that's that's just my opinion. That's all I'm going to say about it. And you said it's more like a beefed up netbook in a way. 
Yeah, this is like Netbook 2.0. I mean, uh, I started using Netbooks when they first came out in 2007, 2008. I thought they were great at the time. We didn't have Chromebooks, right? We had, this was it. You had cheap Windows laptops that got you online and got you going. This is just a refinement of that. And to position it as something that, you know, people who are searching for Chromebooks might want, I don't think Microsoft gets it yet. Uh, or they just don't have the product to compete with a, a Chromebook. They're very different types of products. And I, and I wonder, maybe, shame on me, maybe I compare them too much. Maybe I shouldn't be comparing them too much, because really, the only similarity is the, the components and the price. Everything else is very, very different. Well, and, and we've talked about Microsoft's strategy, though, to kind of model these devices against Chromebooks with, yes. the, with the online storage component, with the free apps. So I think it's valid to compare them, but it's it's obviously the experience is still very, very different. Maybe never will be the same. It, that could be. Um, it's kind of interesting. I did attract Microsoft's attention with the article because they reached, well, their PR folks reached out to me saying, hey, we understand you had some configuration challenges and such, and we'd like to know where you bought it from. Because as you know, they said, uh, depending on the retail retailer you buy it from and the, and the model you buy, the configuration could be could vary, and I and I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. But the downside is, I, I bought this directly from the Microsoft Store online, and it's their signature edition, which is the anti crapware version. So it's not me, you know. I hate to say it, guys. It's you, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Call it as I see it. Well, I think it's it's a good read. We're definitely going to put a link to that in the in the show notes, and uh, it would be interesting to hear also from other users if they have. You know, I know that this show we talk a lot about Chrome devices, but many people obviously just use Chrome as a browser and still have Windows computers or Macs. Or, yes. So if people look for low-expensive devices, what are they looking for? Do they still stay on this and look for Windows computers because they do need that one or two apps mm-hmm. uh, that they can't live without? Or does this actually make them either buy a more expensive device or make the jump to Chrome? And, and, and in fairness to, to those people, as well as to Microsoft, let me say, as a Windows laptop... I'm actually quite happy with the $200, $200 purchase price. Uh, my son and I are both doing some Java programming. We needed something to that we could both share, something that was inexpensive, something that could run certain apps. So this is actually pretty good. And to be honest, even with the hardware, which is, again, the same as you'd find in a Chromebook, Windows 8.1 with Bing is, you know, it's not snappy, It's but it's running fine. I can get things done. And for the price that I paid, it's a good value. So for the folks who just use the Chrome browser, you can do that here. You can get all your Windows apps here. You can be happy to, with a eight, nine hour battery life here. So it's not a terrible device. It's just not a Chromebook killer. And I'm also never going to get used to that name, Windows 8.1 with Bing. But that may just be me. <laughs> no, no, it's not just, it's not just you. Okay. In any case, uh, we've talked about the Chrome Remote Desktop on the show a couple of times, I think. And there's good news for 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 users or prospective users of the Chrome Remote Desktop, I, I guess I should say. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's no lack of choices to remotely access a computer from whatever device you're using these days. But Google did uh, bring iOS users into the fold with their Chrome Remote Desktop app, which is free. It's found in the iTunes App Store. So if you have an iPad or an iPhone and you want to remotely connect to a, a Windows machine, a, a an OS X computer, and I think maybe even Linux, pretty much anything that runs Chrome, you should be able to do that with this free app. Android users already have this. Obviously, on Chrome, we've had this forever. Uh, it's just nice to have another option. You know what? I know people 
uh, have iOS devices as well as Chromebooks. I have an iPad, so this is pretty handy for me. I can remote into that Windows uh, HP Stream laptop I was just talking about using this. So, not, not if you want to use Bing on your <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. In any case. In any case. Yeah, good. and, and uh, I guess it's downloadable through the App Store. Correct, through the iTunes app. Store. All right. right. I'm going to put the link in the show notes for that as well. So uh, now we come inevitably to the part of the show where I blabber on about Chromecast. <laughs> blabber away. <laughs> but uh, actually, there's not that much. There's a little bit of news this week. But also, um, we talked a little bit about the bigger CS news last week already when we were uh, at the show. But I think the day after, I discovered just walking the show floor, a neat little device that in itself is kind of nice, but it also it's kind of telling and interesting to me. And it's it's kind of an odd duck in a way. It's called CastFi. I think the, actual, the official name is even the CastFi 7. And it's a, a little speaker that has a display built in. So if you want to listen to music, but also watch maybe a YouTube video that goes along with the music, or even if you want to watch TV, but really hammer out the sound with it, need a small screen in the kitchen or something. So for those kind of scenarios, but it doesn't have smart apps or anything on there to stream content. Instead, it has this little... Uh, nook in there on the side that is just big enough and, and it comes with a cable as well to plug in a Chromecast. So it has an HDMI port, you plug the Chromecast in, you plug a USB port, a USB cable in to power the Chromecast and then voila you have a speaker with a screen and a Chromecast. Which is kind of ingenious because mm-hmm. now for this smaller company they didn't have to make yet another platform they didn't have to put apps on that it would be outdated in a year they just go with one of the most popular streaming devices that are out there and just add it to their product which i thought was pretty neat um then i said the price tag of it which is four hundred dollars <laughs> when i wrote when i wrote about it and many people said oh this is not great until you told us the, how much how expensive it is then again if you were to uh i don't know find a small screen, get a nice external speaker for it. I think it's more about the form factor and the functionality than the price here. So if you have the money to spare and you want something really compact that does just that, then this is probably a nice device. Otherwise, many people will find other solutions or simply just watch videos on their iPad and and use that speaker or maybe add add a Bluetooth speaker to it or something. Um, But then again, I I just thought the the approach was interesting that those guys took and, and Definitely something that I hadn't seen before. It is interesting. I mean, I, I personally, w- with the price tag being what it is, I would probably just use a, a, an existing computer or a, um, a phone or a tablet. But it's neat that a product, an inexpensive product such as the Chromecast, has created a market for new products such as this. I mean, this is basically a little a screen and a speaker with an HDMI port. That's yeah. basically it. Let's be honest. But um, you plug in a a a dongle and all of a sudden it's got smarts it's got connectivity and now you can output whatever you want to output that's supported by the chromecast i think it's kind of interesting yeah and to be fair you can also connect other you could also connect other streaming sticks right they had a roku streaming stick at the booth as well but they were demoing with the chromecast and obviously with the name cast that's kind of what it gears at our targets and um yeah i don't know interesting interesting niche product i guess indeed one of those Things that you don't hear that much about it, but you still stumble across them at CES. And then we had one more little nugget of news, uh, also good news for iOS users, I guess, this week, which is Allcast, an app that we have mentioned here many, many times. A personal media casting sharing app that has been on Android for, 
I think uh, almost uh, t- t- he started doing it a couple of months after Chromecast came out, really early on. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a hack initially. But now it's a full-featured app, has been on Android for a while. Now, today, or the day that we record this show, it actually launched on iOS. And so what does it do? It allows you to take any media you have on your iPhone or iPad, so from the camera roll or other, other personal media that you have, and cast it to the TV screen. Or it also supports um, a bunch of other devices. So uh, supported ARF, for example, uh, the Fire TV, the Roku, DNA rendering devices, which is most smart TVs at this point. And I think the Xbox as well is, is part of that list. Hmm. Um, so you can, if you have multiple devices, you just select them from a list. If you have one of them, it's still going to work with them. And then it supports photos, videos, music, and a couple of online sources. So you can also cast your Google Plus photos, which I tried, worked really nicely. You could connect it to your Instagram account, to your Dropbox account, or if you have a media server, which might just be like your network attached storage drive running, a UPnP server or some, a DNA server or something. So you could use that as a source as well. Uh, I played with it a little bit yesterday, just very briefly. and had some trouble with um, music casting. It hmm. just didn't really work. I guess I had a lot of trouble with it. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm sure they're, they're, they're going to be working on that. Maybe um, Edge case for whatever reason, because I have an older iPad or something. Not sure. Um, but it's good news in any case because there haven't been that many personal media sharing apps for iOS. Most of the stuff has been on Android. Right, right. And this is uh, built by Kush, right? Exactly. Yeah. Very well-known Android developer who every now and then makes fun of iOS and said, actually, when he released this app, it said, he said something like, you have one of those friends, too. He has a black cardigan. He's kind of snobby. But now you can point him to this app, and he's going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kush has long been an Android developer over at XDA Developers and, and elsewhere. So it's kind of interesting to see him do something for iOS. But it's a good thing. It's, it's, it's good all, all around. Yeah, I think he actually teamed. I think he actually teamed up with somebody to build this. Uh, nice from the small team. But yeah, good news for iOS users for sure. Yep, 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 yep. All right, what else do we have on our uh, show notes today? Let's see. Um, I guess uh, one of the topics coming out of CS. We talked about the chip cycle already. We talked about. Um, when devices are showing up, we talked about that we are expecting a couple of devices. So, Kevin, when is a good time to actually go out there and throw the money down and buy a Chrome device? I would say any time but now. I mean, that's that very that's a very non-answer answer. But it's interesting because just on Twitter the other day, somebody asked me, "Hey, if price is no object, what Chromebook should I buy right now? You know, because I want um, you know good battery life. I want." I'm on good screen and good performance, yada, yada, yada. They give a whole list of things. And I said, you know, well, if price is no object, I said, I, the Pixel still gives me the best experience. It's not the best value. It's also old, getting long in the tooth. Hopefully, I mean, that's got a third generation i5, a core i5 in it. Now that we're at fifth generation, I would love to see that chip in a, you know, Pixel 2. But be that as it may, there is no Pixel 2. I wouldn't buy the Pixel now at this point. And out of the existing models, I mean, we are, like I said, going to a new chip cycle and you're going to get the same, if not slightly better performance as what's available today, plus longer battery life. And I got to be honest, for me, battery life is really important, you know, especially on a, on a laptop type device. It's actually the key reason I didn't bring my Pixel to CES, even though I love the Pixel in 
every regard, the battery life is only about five hours. And now that the machine's almost two years old, I'm only getting about four hours. That's not enough, you know? So I, I would... I would say, you know, you might want to wait unless you really have to have a Chromebook right now. Um, you might want to wait because prices of the existing models are going to drop as a result of the new devices coming in. And then those new devices, you know, depending on the pricing, might be more appealing and give you more features and functions. So honestly, if you don't need to buy one, I don't know that I would. I forgot which side it was, but one of the tech sets did this buying guide for different types of technology a couple of years ago. When are you supposed to go out and buy a TV? When are you supposed to buy, go out and buy a desktop computer? When is a good time to buy a phone? Um, there's all these different release cycles around these technologies. And we just saw some of these other devices, new ones announced at CS, which means that they won't be available for a while either. So, but you already talked about it earlier. Expect the first new uh, Chromebooks to come out in uh, February, possibly, first Broadwell-based ones. So you think how the, in general the market is going to react to it by March or April? Would that be a fair, I guess? I would say that's a fair guess. Um, you know, that's when you're going to see the older models go down in price. Uh, I think that you'll have readily available devices that are using the new chips. Um, you know, Acer hasn't said, I don't think they've said when that uh, Chromebook 15 is coming out. They showed it off early, right before CES. You can't buy it yet that I'm aware of. In fact, they haven't even announced the price of the one with the Core i3 chip and the 1080p display. If people have been talking about that, my guess is going to be about three seventy-five to three ninety-nine. Uh, I would love to be wrong and have it have it come out lower, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, so even that one's not available yet, and that's probably maybe the end of the month, maybe February is when when they'll start taking orders for that. So I think you're right, March, April. By then we should be in full swing. We should have multiple new options, and um, you know that'll give us more Chromebooks to review and, and share information on. So save your money and stay tuned, I guess. That's, I, that's, that would be my advice. Uh, all right. I think that's good advice and also brings us to the end of the show, except for uh, the Apple extension of the week. And this week, Kevin, you, you picked something interesting, really interesting, because it's, it seems like a, a single-purpose app that's more about proving a point. It is. It's more of a conceptual extension uh, that shows off the old file system provider API, which we talked about, I can't remember how many shows ago, but this was a way for um, application makers to get their files, to, to work with the files app directly in Chrome OS. So since very few people have actually done that, um, we, we're going to have to change the name of the show to the Beaufort Report because Mr. Beaufort is getting <laughs> his third mention here. He actually made this this Chrome OS extension, and it's called TED Talks Extension. It's not officially from the TED Talks folks or anything, but what it does is if you if you install it, it will show you and let you browse all the TED Talk videos right in your Files app as if they were locally stored, even though they're not. So I thought it was very cool for two reasons. One, it shows off that new API, how it will be used in the future for for uh, Chrome OS apps. And two, I just love TED Talks. I mean, I feel so stupid, uh, you know, before I, I see a TED Talk because I learn so much from these things, you know. They're just fantastic videos. Um, I used to watch one every day. I, I need to get back into the swing of that. And this uh, Chrome OS extension, the, uh, the TED Talks extension will help me do that. Because now you're going to think they're all going to be local and you have to watch them to finally get space on your drive. Yeah, I got to no, get to the know. end. <laughs> There's just one more. There's just one more. <laughs> 
It's interesting. Uh, I can't quite see the screenshot, and I can't install it right now because I'm actually on my MacBook. Um, it looks like it's mounted, like a like a mounted drive, essentially. Yeah, it, it, essentially that's it. And you get thumbnails of all the videos, as if again that they were right there on your Chromebook. Pretty cool. I, I, have you seen any other apps or extensions actually make use of that? I have not. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't any, but I have not seen any. That's too bad. Well, guys, install this and then get your creative juices flowing and maybe yeah. think about how you can incorporate it into your own apps. That would be pretty cool if you can use more of maybe your cloud media or, or anything like that, basically like a local folder. Or I wonder if we could actually do that with our podcast as if the Chrome Show podcast was on everybody's Chromebook. That was what Ooh. everybody was waiting for, essentially. Yes, yeah. very interesting. <laughs> Kevin, I think you, you need to do some coding. Yeah, so I'll, we'll see about that. We'll uh, see about that. So if Kevin gets it done in time, then we're going to be back next year. <laughs> hey, I don't want deadlines. I don't work well under pressure. No, no. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, uh, that's it again uh, for the Chrome Show this week. Um, thanks again for listening, and we're going to be back next week. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>